You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. Welcome back to the Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. I'm Ben Wiggins with Mays Business School and Podcast Architects. Don't fret. Terrence will be back next week to close out season two. This episode, we are going to revisit and highlight some words of wisdom by our guests from this past season. I'm done betting on everybody else. Like I'm finna bet on me. I mean, working for someone else, I'm, I just saw this quote the other day. Your boss will never pay you enough for you to live next door to them. Where do you see the biggest opportunity over the next 12 to 24 months in real estate? Mm, in rental properties, investing. So if you can buy land, buy land. If you can buy, like, just... People getting their feet wet in any way that they can. I think, um, and even though I said I would like to flip, I think flipping in Dallas is oversaturated right now. Everybody's trying to do it. Everybody wants to be a wholesaler because nobody wants to do the work to be a realtor. So everybody's looking for the shortcut to do something. So if you can find a house, um, turn it into a rental property, and it makes sense. Like if it's even a house in in Dallas, the hood is like South Dallas and Pleasant Grove. So if you can find a house in South Dallas or Pleasant Grove, and put it on Section Eight, and as long as you're making five to six hundred dollars, you're making a profit because that's the goal for any yep. rental property. I did whatever, man. Carried bags, picked up for kids. You know, like whatever I could do yep. to bring value just I create value. And that's, that's a mandate that we live by at Rastigar is we don't look at, you know, the appraised value or hoping the wind's behind us. It's about creating value and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, being obsessed with our cons- with, with our consumers, whether that's our tenants or the, that's our investors and, you know, doing what's right by them first and foremost, and, you know, living by that cadence or that ethos of contribution and, mm-hmm. You know, then I'm the father of three, three beautiful children and ages one, one to eight. And as each one of them came along, you know, my ego kind of got checked more and more and started to build an organization that I'm really proud of at a cultural level. You know, we're a highly diverse group that come from a lot of different backgrounds and a lot of just really smart people. And, you know, I like sitting in rooms where I'm the dumbest guy in the room because I got a lot to learn, right? You got two yeah. years in my mouth. So I hate when people say that it's just business because I don't think yeah. there's any more personal than business. I hate that. T- I hate that line too. I hate that line. It's just like, what do you mean? Like we're in business. Like I'm like, we have money together or like with your coworkers, you spend more time with your coworkers than you do with your family. So don't tell me that's just business. Like that's, yeah. that's, that's nonsense, man. Like there's nothing more personal than being in the trenches with with the people that you care about, that you respect, that you're doing things with, that are spending time away from their family and their loved ones, uh, you know, answering emails at two o'clock in the morning, and and so to me it was very personal, very, yeah. very, very personal. I've definitely learned that budgeting is important in the industry, especially early on. Making sure that you know you're planning for closing one deal this year. If you only close one deal, can you eat off of that for the next year? Yep. He's very big on making sure that we are unique, we are creative, we are innovative, that we're not afraid. We actually just moved into a new office space right before COVID hit. And he specifically created a room called the Crazy Ass Idea Room. (laughs) And that's where we get to just kind of come up with all of our crazy ideas. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds to you or anyone else. 
throw it up there, see what sticks. Don't be afraid to be out of the box. People yeah. want you to think outside of the box. If they want it cookie cutter, then they would go and find somebody else cookie cutter. They want you to have innovative ideas. And some of my craziest ideas have actually worked. Some of the things yeah. that I'm like, yeah, it sounds crazy, but let's let's see if it works. And it mm-hmm. works out and it works out better than what I anticipated. Yeah, love it. We don't have the guidance. No one looks like me. No one, and not just from a African-American standpoint, but you know, there's not many women who are doing what I'm doing, or there's not many people who are Asian that are doing. So just really wanting to have a firm that really, really pushes the importance of diversity and inclusion and has offices across the country. That is my big dream. I want to be, I want to be a large CBRE, but for that kind of creative, innovative, diverse thinking. I love it. That's a, that's an amazing vision. Cause it's funny. One of the things that me and my wife talked about when we started our companies we were both in our 20s, you know, both came from single mom homes. And we said, you know, same thing. We want to accept all. We want to create an environment of creativity and growth and positive thinking and not that fake stuff, like real, like, you know, like pushing the envelope. Right. And we put our kind of athletic spin on it because I was a former pro athlete. So but I love it, man, because like you said, we need more of it. Like we need like I want my kids to be able to look at any industry and see themselves being able to do that. What did you learn that helped you transition into real estate from that work experience? Absolutely. I think what I learned most was just being transparent with the clients and being able to understand their point of view when it comes to, you know, purchasing, I would say, investments for their properties. And I under and I learned and I started to understand talking how to communicate with those clients to help them and navigate them through the process to get those questions answered. And I think that's how what helps me excel within my business is understanding the foundation of providing you know, the knowledge and the confidence to your clients to make those decisions, to feel confident with making those decisions. So we can look into those specific areas and what we do. So if we find you a property that may be located in the Ohio area, whether it's Cincinnati or Cleveland, what I will do is provide some background about that, about those specific areas, those neighborhoods, the communities, some initiatives that may be going on. We also look into different zoning and planning for the community. So our clients may actually buy in a property that may not be so desirable for a lot of investors. But when we look into those zoning and planning, they may see within five to 10 years, they may be, the city may build, you know, a gym or a fitness center or add on some additional businesses within that area. And so a lot of our investors, they are buy and hold investors. So if they buy today and they're able to hold that property for five to 10 years and they wait it out until the community is revitalized, then that's where you're going to get the money. So you can either refinance or you can dispose of that property at that time. You know, when you're a leader, you got to really look back and understand who's tied to your harness. Because if you know anything about mountain climbing and I know nothing, but I do know the concepts, most of the time when you're practicing, you're tied to a rope. And when you tie to harnesses, you usually tie to someone else, right? So someone else is tied at the hip. And there was just a couple concepts that came to mind. And I just thought, like, if I'm going towards this summit and I'm trying to get to this Mount Everest of a business or of a vision, of an impact, of success, whatever is driving you to get there, like, whatever it is, 
you got to know who's tied to you and who's on that journey. Because if I'm climbing this mountain and we're now on the mountain, I don't have time to look back and look down to see if you're doing your part. If you're leading that vision and you're carrying people up the mountain, turn around and evaluate who's with you. And if you're someone that's on a journey with someone, be honest with yourself. If you don't believe in the vision and we're still going, get off. Don't, don't waste their time or yours because you will find your group. You will find your vision to go to a summit. It just may not be that one. At this point in my life, playing football, being in business, these life experiences have shown me like I'm only, I can only go as far as the people around me can assist me and help me get to. When you're not at a certain level and you can put yourself around so many awesome individuals and learn from, from, from them. I learned that there's just a huge difference in the software space compared to the real estate space in, in the ability to put in $1 and get back 50 rather than, <laughs> you know, you know, in flipping, we're like, okay, I want to at least put in a dollar and get back two. you know, yeah. like we got we to make some sort of money back. It's, it's just a total different ballgame. So for me, REI SIF was created out of, you know, like many, uh, out of my own need to solve a problem for my own company. I had literally no plans in actually releasing it to the public. All I wanted to do was continue to automate my own company because I was getting tired and tired of my virtual assist, like my VAs having to learn how to install Python to run my scripts and all these other things. But it all started at the root data issue. That when you buy data from ListSource, you get it from the county, you get it from CoStar, you get it from no matter what website it is, data doesn't come perfect. It comes missing zip codes. It comes just incomplete in general. And that's simply because data at its core, at the very beginning, is finger punched into a keyboard from somebody at a county level or a title company level or something like that. You know, like what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, so... I think with profit first and and predictable revenue and the mindset of process-driven, sellable companies, if you can't sell it, it's not a company in my opinion, then I know that as I'm laying there taking my last breath, as long as I have all the entity structure and trusts and everything else structured properly, my family is going to still be okay. Mm -hmm. And before it was different. I was looking at spending everything into my companies. I was literally, the stupidest thing, I was literally spending everything by the end of the year so that I didn't have profits, so I didn't have to pay taxes. (laughs) The stupidest thing. And I went from reading that to reading profit first and then having a six-figure tax bill. I was like, and I'm like, cool. I'm okay with it. Why? Because I took profits all year, right? I preserved my tax money and I paid paid the taxes. And now I reinvest that into, you know, commercial deals. And, 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 and sooner or later, after those investments, that tax bill will go away and um, it'll continue to go lateral. So that's my big one. You have yeah. to have a team of professionals when you are buying your first home. So you want to ensure that you are working with a mortgage lender that has a track record, um, someone that you know maybe by referral. Referral is really the best way to choose a mortgage lender, your realtor, your attorney by referral, because now, you know, from someone that's actually utilized this person. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really my advice. Um, that's number one. Also, you know, just the kind of mindset part of it all, it is stressful <laughs> when mm-hmm. you are purchasing a home because 
you know, you're finally now moving kind of like overnight from a renter's mindset to a homeowner's mindset. And those two mindsets are very kind of different in this space. I feel like I'm changing or helping change the trajectory of people's lives just by, you know, speaking to, you know, what they're doing in terms of, you know, real estate. I'm helping them understand that you don't have to rent forever. You know, you actually do qualify for a mortgage and, you know, don't be like me. I even rented for a very long time before I decided to actually purchase a home. And I was in the real estate space. Uh, So, you know, kind of embarrassing to admit, but, you know, I always thought that it was something you had to wait until you were married or, you know, I, my parents owned a home, but they were married. So <laughs> I, you know, I thought it was, you know, it's, it's something, okay, maybe I can pay the mortgage, but what if there's repairs and, you know, you make these excuses. And so what gets me up and moving every day is really wanting people not to be like me or, you know, or again, those stories of people in foreclosure, I want them to realize that they can create that generational wealth for their families. When did you decide to start raising capital and why? I'll tell you what, man. So the second deal I did was 36 units. Um, I learned through that, that obviously I, I didn't make the mistakes that I made on the first deal. I actually did really well in the second deal. And I learned that, man, there's definitely something to be said about scale. And that was larger scale than my first deal. But mm-hmm. after that, what I started to do is I started to recognize that bigger deals, not only you could put a team on the field, right? And you can, because whether you have 36 units, whether you have eight, whether you have 136, 236, these properties require constant attention, right? The so first thing I did was I started to invest passively. I started to invest passively in larger deals to understand the mechanics, to understand the reality of the operation and to really get an inside look. And so you know, I built relationships with folks across the country. And again, we're talking about players, right? We're talking about players, people who are doing deals. So I want to talk about mindset. Where do you tie that in as a real estate entrepreneur? And why is that so important for you and the the success and the things that you're doing? My mindset continues to be an extremely and almost maybe the most important component of my success. And my success is not always linear. And most of the time, it's not linear. Right. But it's always the belief and the understanding that I will continue to learn. And sometimes learning is even more valuable than money. Right. Mm -hmm. Learning can compound in ways that, that I could have never appreciated or understood. And so for me, it's about understanding, you know, that I can either, I can actually be conscious and develop my beliefs. I can be conscious and develop an empowering mindset that allows me to take action. So if you study the people that are the most successful, uh, in the industry, you find some interesting things like uh, they understand people better. So it's not about you. I think new agents, sometimes they focus too much on themselves. You know, How am I going to sell to this person? Instead of understanding people and personality types that people want to be sold to differently. And sometimes that's an ego check. And it takes a while to like really realize that it's not about you. You know, People don't actually care about you or your awards. You know, again, what's in it for me? You know, what, how are you going to talk to somebody you know, based on their personality type. Some people are data-driven and analytical. They want to see the numbers. Other people want the bottom line, right? Some people are slow to trust. You got to ease into it, you know? So I think for me, it took me 
you know, I think I'm pretty perceptive, but I think it took me a while to really understand people and personality types. I think that was the most important lesson I learned early on. And also that, you know, not all agents were successful. And there was a big gap between the ones that did it and the ones that didn't. They were asking her, what do you see as the biggest difference between, you know, the million dollar GCI agent and the $40,000 a year agent? You know, what's the biggest differentiator you see between the really successful agent and the not so successful agent? And she said, it wasn't education. It wasn't background. It wasn't any of those things. What it was, was they were able to handle the nose better. Wow. They just moved on. And I thought that was really profound. You know, the people that have been successful in sales and entrepreneurship, they, they can power through those nose. You know, the ones that where the nose kind of like sting a lot, it, it takes them a while to kind of get up. They get gun shy, right? They don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to make those sales calls. So especially if you're, if you're generating leads online in a database, you've got to be able to move through those no's. You know, Darren Hardy talks about it all the time, right? Just powering through them and getting to that yes. Appreciate the no's because you're getting closer to that yes. Send the, tra- you know, the leads to the agents that are converting those types of leads. And I mean, I've seen it. I, I see it even just here on my wife's team. Some agents have this perception that Zillow leads are great and some agents hate them. Some agents have the perception that Op City leads are great and some agents don't, right? So give them the leads that they're actually, that they can convert because they, in their mind, they're better leads. So for that agent, they actually are better leads because they actually follow up with them. We're not even competing against each other in real estate anymore. We're competing against other industries. So now I can just stay at home and click a button at Amazon and have soap show up at my front door. Or I can just order my food and pull up and they bring it out to me. Everything is automated and everything makes it a lot faster and more efficient. That's what we're competing with in the real estate industry. And like you said, if we don't innovate, we got to leverage through technology and team and processes. You're not going to make it. Wealth is created through concentration, but it's preserved through diversification, right? Wow. And what I mean by that, you look at the richest people in the world, Bezos, right? Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, the, the lion's share of their wealth is tied up in what? The company that they built, Right. I think a lot of times people think that retirement is predicated upon age or financial independence is predicated upon age. No, it's predicated upon your assets being able to cover your lifestyle. And that can happen, you know, a lot sooner than age 65. Right. And and you're probably going to show up even more fulfilled at work or for your business when you know that I can truly do this in a way that that I care about and because I'm not worried about the check. So you have to be competitive in the marketplace and offer up return profiles that are going to make it compelling for people who want to invest in your deal as opposed to a different. It's, it's mm-hmm. that thing. And it's supply and demand. You know, Adam Smith's invisible hand of the marketplace right there. Correct. So what we have found is you have to have a certain threshold to the deals. 8% cash and cash is like the bare minimum in the marketplace right now. Because perception is reality. Mm. She's creating video content about the market and about real estate and about the community. So people assume that she is doing business. She just texted me. She's like, Krista, I have a, on my phone, I can't even show you. She's like, I just had, I just made six figures in four months. And, and she says, it's all because of what you taught me. That's now, awesome. mind you, she was a new ranger, right? And she, but she stuck to it. It took her about, gosh, about nine months before she started seeing traction. Now she just had made six figures in four months, right? And she sent me that message on Facebook. She goes, I heard you talk about me on your podcast. And she goes, I was laughing my butt off. She goes, I wanted to let you know just how good I'm doing. I just hit six figures. I was like, yay. Doesn't matter if you're brand new. 
you can talk about real estate, talk about the community, right? Interview your broker. Hey, what are the biggest three worst things you've ever had happen in real estate? What's the three biggest mistakes sellers make? What's the three biggest mistakes buyers make? Go to a video on it. Mm-hmm. It's anybody can do that. You can be brand new, never sold a house before, but perception is reality. If people see you talking about real estate, talking about your community, going on to your certain subdivisions, like I could tell you how to dominate a subdivision, you know, and like right now, you know, like I say, you want to dominate a subdivision within six months, I'll tell you exactly what to do, right? Yep. Brand new agent. Yep. It's not, it doesn't matter. That's just an excuse that people make. Exactly. That's why I wanted to put it out there because I was like, oh, brand new. And that's all I hired for as a broker owner for you know nine, 10 years. I only hired brand new agents and I just heard the same thing over and over. Just can't, so many people stop like right before they're about to hit gold, right? Like, you know, you're, you're three, three feet from gold. So just keep on going and don't let the cost of an action, like it's either going to be hard now and then easy later, or it's going to be easy now and hard later. So choose to make it be hard now so that, and do things that most people won't do or aren't willing to do so that later on, you don't have to do the things that everybody else has to do. She made 17,000 in like, it was only half the month, 17,000 on two properties. Per year? Oh no, per month. 17,000 cash flow? 17,000. 17,000? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And her bills are probably no more than like 4,000. I'm like checking my ears. I know. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, is this working right? 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 <laughs> yeah. So she's making... 17 grand a month. Yeah. But like the point I was trying to make with that is that for us, we realized it depends on the market. The yeah. Houston market is such a um, metro city versus like Virginia Beach. It's like a military city. Then it's also a beach city. So it was kind of like you, like there were people there year round. They were willing to pay a little more because there's the beach. But in Houston, you know, although there are, there's a lot of stuff, there's also a lot of real estate, which means there are more properties. So you have more competition. Yeah. So the prices are naturally going to be lower than in a city like Virginia Beach, where it's a little smaller um, and you have to get permits and stuff to do Airbnb. And no, no, like people don't want to go through those processes. Not everyone out there giving advice is right because mm. we were taking advice from everyone on youtube we didn't have a coach um and the thing is i have so many people coming to me all the time saying hey kira i'm about to get evicted they found out i'm doing airbnb i'm like well i told you to you know get a corporate lease don't do it in your name would you rather you know call around and get a bunch of you know no's and a couple of yeses um and let them know that you're doing Airbnb or would you rather get an eviction that's going to be on your breaker for seven years? Mm-hmm. But I just wish I'd known um, how to like find the right information mm-hmm. on the internet. But I think the internet makes it easy now to do that. Yeah. Partnering with the right person or being associated with the right person, it gives you immediate credibility. So like obviously here in College Station, when people were joining TM5 and at that time I'd you know, been number one agent or top five every year for 10 years. When you walk up to someone's door and you have the TM5 brand on, it gives you immediate credibility whether, you, whether you've done a deal or not. And I used to actually coach my agents on that because you get these new agents and like, well, I haven't sold anything. But yeah, TM5 has done a billion in sales. Use that, you know. So, no, I love that, man. I love that strategy. And that's a great hack for y'all out there listening. Find a mentor. Associate yourself with the right team or group who has the track record and then use that until you build your own track record. I would say the biggest thing that really changed my entire life and something that I always go by that's consistently paid off for me is always surround yourself with the people that have what you want. You know, always surround yourself with the people that that have what you want. That if, if you want to have, you know, 10,000 units, if you want to have 50,000 units, if you want to build, you know, a hedge fund, always surround yourself with people that that have it 
and understand that the people that have it are the ones who could actually tell you how to get it. To me, it's a unique experience. And this is why I want my sons to play at least one season or whatever in a team sport where you are fighting against the person next to you for the spot, for the time, for the whatever. But when game day comes, you got to work towards the, the same common goal. And I think that in terms of adults that I've seen in my last industry in education and managing people and managing adults in there, and then managing adults and watching adults here in this space, there's the common thread to me is those who have played sports or team sports or been held accountable in different ways in that facet of life in sports tend to navigate. I'm trying to choose my words wisely here, Mm -hmm. tend to navigate like conflict and things within the organization, no organization, because we real estate is its own little thing where you have, we have a bunch of 1099 employees who they're their own business. Like they don't, we don't tell them what to do in a lot of ways, whatever other people are saying or what they're thinking, it doesn't matter. Like just keep, keep running your race. I run my race. And actually I texted that to Ann yesterday. She she was talking about something. She said, Oh, did you hear about something? Something I was like, nah, we're running our race. I'm going to run my race. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't run anybody else's race. I don't, I only worry about me, man, and and what we're doing in our people. Obviously, I keep up with what's going on out there. But at the end of the day, I just worry about my own chicken. Yeah. Like like Sean said, Marshawn said, you know, we got to take care of our own chicken. Take care of your mentals. But what's interesting is the technology is what we think has changed. We act like having DocuSign and electronic notary changed the game. No, that changed the timeframes. And that changed some of the efficiencies. What hasn't changed is that real estate is a relationship business, a communication business, and it's built on your ability to ask great questions and to listen to what the other person says carefully so that you can provide options. Because every buyer and seller is different. Every house is different. And that's where you really start to learn as you go. And so your niche appears a couple years later. I do think For the first couple of years, you work with a lot of different things under the eyes of your mentor or broker so that you can figure out where your passion actually lies. But when you find it, man, go all in and enjoy it. And then most importantly, refer out the stuff that you don't know and that you don't don't really love. You can be somebody who hears and you can be somebody who does. And I'll tell you a quote that I came out of my devotion a few weeks ago that I was reading. And I would give credit if I could remember where I saw it, but I can't. So one day I'll find it. But the author said, a dream without action is nothing. But then again, action without a vision, without a dream is a nightmare. And it was so true because sometimes we take action And nothing happens because you don't know what the end goal is, which is why you want the mentor, because that gives you the idea of how to create the goal so that you're not just spinning your wheels. But then you're not going to be able to achieve all those things if you're not learning the steps in in the first place. So you've got to connect all those dots. And be honest, real estate's not hard, but real estate's hard work. Thank you all for listening. And don't forget to hit those like and subscribe buttons and leave us a comment to let us know what you liked or what we can improve. See you soon.
Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to terrencemurphy.com. 